We always want the best of everything in all areas of our lives, whether it be physical, financial, relational, spiritual. We really want the best of it. But to get that is going to require more than mediocrity on our part. It requires excellence. We continue our series with Elder Ivor Johnson entitled, Why Not Excellence? Let's jump in. Today, we are continuing our series entitled, Why Not Excellence? I'd like to welcome all of our viewers on Periscope. And it's always wonderful to have you with us. I'm going to try very hard <laughs> to finish this series today, but I have to tell you, it's not about me, so we're going to see what the Holy Spirit has in mind, okay? So we're going to try, but it's really up to him. So the purpose of this study is for us to examine ourselves and push the envelope to make the decision to operate in excellence all of the time, not just some of the time. Hopefully, we will decide at the conclusion of this to make excellence a way of life. Now, we talked about people who have demonstrated excellence in their lives. One of our contemporary examples that exudes excellence is our very own apostle, Frederick Casey Price. We also mentioned that excellence has a cost factor. However, God has equipped us with all that we need to be successful. And we went over so many different scriptures, and I gave you a lot of things that I was able to share with you regarding this. I showed you how the, the entire Godhead resides within all of us that believe. And even though I would love to revisit all that, I want to move forward with this. So with that being said, I invite each and every one of you to please get the CDs. I don't mean to beat you over the head with that. That's not the point. But I will say this. If you truly, truly want to excel when it comes to the Word of God, I'll put it to you this way. How many times have you gone to see a really good movie that you really got engrossed in and you liked? Say it was an action movie, okay? And I don't know, the guy scales a building and all of a sudden he jumps off and you think he's gonna die and he lands on his feet and he does a flip. And I mean, you're so engrossed in all that that you may not have even seen what happened behind the scenes. You didn't even catch it because you were so busy watching him flip around in the movie. You go back and you look at the movie the second time and you're like, oh my goodness, I didn't even see that. That's how it is when you're here listening to the word. There's going to be something that is spoken that you start really meditating on because it speaks to you. And you're paying so much attention to it that you may miss the whole next 20 minutes of what's being said. But you see, if you buy the CD, then you can hear it again and you can grasp that which you missed. Amen. That's another reason we're asking you to get the CD. It is for your spiritual enrichment and edification. I get nothing from it. Okay, so it means absolutely nothing for me if you get it or if you don't. Okay, but I even listen to the CDs my own self. Okay, because the whole point is I'm learning from this too. So all I'm saying to you is please 
Just go ahead and make that an investment. You don't think anything of going to spend $5 for a cup of Starbucks burnt coffee. You'll do that in a heartbeat, okay? But you won't spend the $5 on a CD to help your spiritual enrichment and edification. Now, I'm not gonna say what that says about you. You figure that out on your own. <laughs> so, with that being said, <laughs> Uh, we also uh, <laughs> talked about if Apostle Price can live in excellence, then so can we. Why? Because God is no respecter of persons. Now, our first two sessions covered so much material, and I, I just can't. I can't go back over all of it again, so I won't. But I will just give you some of the points. Last time that we were together, I started sharing with you some things to ensure your ability to operate in excellence. The first point was that you must be born again. Because first of all, in order for you to become royalty in a kingdom that's not of this world and receive all of the benefits of the kingdom, you have to enter the kingdom. And the only way for you to do that is through Jesus. As your personal Lord and Savior, you must accept him to do that. The second thing that is imperative is that you're filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit to overflowing. And we talked about it's one thing to be born of the Spirit of God, but it's something else to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I gave you a reference and you can jot it down in case you, you know, weren't here and you missed it. John's Gospel, the 14th chapter, verses 16 and 17. And I especially want you to read it out of the Amplified Translation. You need the gift of the Holy Spirit to give you guidance in all areas of your life. It literally illuminates the Word of God so that you can rightly divide it. Because how many of you know you can wrongly divide it? And you can get the Word to say pretty much anything you want. If you're not sure, become a Honda salesperson and you can tell your little customers that, you, that God said we should all ride around in one accord. Okay, so you can twist it and, I mean, I'm serious. The point being is we already know that the enemy quoted scripture. So you need to be able to rightly divide it and apply it to your life if you want this excellent life that we're talking about. So therefore, pay attention and on Periscope, it's John's Gospel, the 14th chapter, verses 16 and 17. Amplified translation, I really want you to read that one. The third point we brought up is that you have to be authentic with yourself. You have to ask the Holy Spirit to help you so that you can start tweaking some things in your life, so that you can get to work being diligent. And diligent meaning constant effort to accomplish something persistent, attentive. But you want God to show you that. You don't need to go to somebody else and ask them. You know, they have these life, whatever they're called, life coaches. They're cute. Okay, but I'm sorry. There is no life coach in the world that created me. God did. And he really had a sense of humor, I'll admit it. But the point is, he created me. So wouldn't I want to go to the creator? I don't need to go to some life coach who thinks he knows me. Are you kidding? No. Go to the Most High God. So you need to do that. The fourth thing is pray in the spirit using your prayer language, which you cannot receive unless you do point number two, which is to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we learned, we learned this from uh, Pastor Price, how actually praying in your prayer language, it's equivalent to a nuclear weapon because you are praying present tense 
right now, you're praying about your future for something that's been ordained before the foundation of the earth. That's the only way in which you can do that. It is nuclear. And the other bonus is the enemy can do nothing to interfere in that prayer because he cannot understand it. So number four, you need to go ahead and pray in the spirit and you need to do it daily. Amen. I mean, sometimes we do it every now and then. I mean, I don't know how to even explain that. Every now and then. You don't go to work every now and then if you want to get paid. I mean, you don't put your food in the refrigerator every now and then and think it's going to keep. You do these things habitually. Well, then you need to become habitual with your prayer language. Pray in the spirit every day. The fifth thing is you do need to pray in English, obviously, <laughs> I mean, because you need to know what you're praying about. Okay, if you have specific concerns, then you need to go ahead and you need to pray in English, your known language, so that you are, in fact, making your petitions known unto God, which he told us to do. So therefore, that's the fifth thing. Now, the sixth thing, and this is pretty much where we kind of left off last time, is you need to be all in. All in, in other words, you need to make a decision that you are going to follow Christ, that you are going to be all in with what the word of God says. And in order for you to do that, that means you need to know what the promises of God are. And the only way that you're going to know what his promises are is you're going to have to open up the book and you're going to have to study it. And study for a lot of people is a bad word. Okay? Some people were absolutely horrific students in school. And guess what? That's okay. Because when it comes to the Word of God, you could have flunked your way through school and been king of the F's and got nothing else. When it comes to the Word of God, there is no grading system. All you have to do is open up your heart and read it. And it, uh, it pertains to you because it is, in fact, your inheritance. And all you really have to do is read from the book of Romans to Jude. It has all of your promises. It has your inheritance. But if you do not read it, you will not have any idea. And trust me, the enemy goes out of his way to make sure you don't. He will figure out a way to keep you from doing it. Ask yourself the question, if you decide, okay, I'm going to get up in the morning and I'm going to take 15 minutes a day and I'm going to read the word, your clock won't go off, you're tired, you get up for that 15 minutes and you're falling asleep. You know I'm telling the truth. If you decide to do it at the end of the night, you're falling asleep. So the point is, that's not good enough. We also talked about, and I gave you this reference, I'm not going to turn to it for the sake of time, but jot it down, 2 Timothy 2, 15, and we all already pretty much know it. It talks about studying to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There it goes again. We have to rightly divide the word because you can wrongly divide it. And I had explained to you last time how we have to understand the differences in how we learn. Everybody learns differently, and I'm repeating this because this is important. Everybody does not learn the same way. And if you are spending time with God, he'll share with you what is the best way for you. Some people learn auditorily. They can listen, they got it, and that's good. Other people learn by reading. Okay, auditorily is okay, but reading is better for them. You need to figure out what works for you and go for it that way. And you will also find when you do that, it won't be an uphill battle 
because you'll be more comfortable. If you take somebody who learns auditorily and you tell them here, you have to read two chapters a day, it's painful because that's not how they learn. And they kind of, I don't want to say they rebel against it, but they don't figure out every kind of way not to do it. Okay, because it's just, it's like that's not what they do. So it's like really trying to go uphill. Whereas if you just say, here, pop in the CD, if they learn auditorily, they can be waiting for the bus, listening to the word. But it's going in, they're learning, they're growing, and that's easy for them. For me, reading is what works for me. So therefore, I can listen auditorily, I do listen auditorily. But the way in which I have to do it, I have to put the CD in, stop, press pause, process what it is that I've just heard, read it in the scripture, and keep moving that way. And if I write notes or write it, I then own it. But I had to learn that that's what works for me. So anyway, find out what works for you so that you can get this thing and really, really go forward with it. Also, the other thing that is so important is obviously in all that you do, you have to make sure you are keeping your love walk in place. And I gave to you the scripture of 1 John, the fourth chapter, verses 16 through 18. And you know what? I'm going to read that to you really quick. 1 John, the fourth chapter, verses 16 through 18. And I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. Whatever translation you have is perfectly fine. I promise you we'll end up in the same place. Amen. And the reason why is because there's only one Holy Spirit. So starting with verse 16, it says, We have come to know by personal observation and experience and have believed with deep, consistent faith the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides continually in him. In this union and fellowship with him, love is completed and perfected with us so that we have confidence in the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face him because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, dread does not exist, but perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out fear because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. So the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love, has not grown into a sufficient understanding of God's love. And if you think about it, just for a moment, God is love. And the power of him and the entire Godhead, again, I say, it lives within us when we are born again. Now, the one thing that we have to always do is make sure that we are keeping ourselves in a position where we make the Godhead comfortable within us. If we're walking around in strife, worry, anguish, backbiting, talking about one another, okay, being fearful, false evidence appearing real when it comes to different things, that's not making the Godhead comfortable within us. So therefore, we need to put a check mark on those things to make sure that we are not doing that. And as I mentioned to you before, and this was a side note, but I thought it was very good, is that perfect love is the solution to all the hate that we are seeing that's happening in our earth realm right now. And another thing, and this is exactly where we stopped last time, is that, turn with me to John's Gospel, the 13th chapter, and we're going to look at verses 34, to 30, 34 and 35. John's Gospel, the 13th chapter, verses 34 and 35. And... 
goodness, goodness, goodness. I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to read it to you out of the message and then out of the Amplified. Okay. Out of the message starting with verse 34, it says, Let me give you a new command. Love one another in the same way I loved you. You love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. Now that says a lot right there. Okay, how often do, I mean, are we living our lives in such a way where people see a difference in us? Do they see, even when we're, you know, walking around even in the hotel, can they tell that we are disciples of Christ? Can they tell by how loving we are to one another? Or do we act just like the world? Do we come in and we, you know, we ain't holding the elevator because we're trying to hurry up and get to where we got to go. You know, I'm serious. It's the little things we need to start thinking about because the world is going to know us how? By our love walk. If we look at the Amplified, it says, I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. So you too are to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love and unselfish concern for one another. Again, this is why I read different translations. It breaks it down just a little further. Just that little extra about the unselfish concern for one another. That's the person who will hold the elevator for you when they see someone coming. And that little gesture might get somebody's attention for them to say, ooh, they're so sweet. What are they, what is, where are they going? What's about them? You see, you don't always have to have a track to be able to attract people to the kingdom. You don't always have to beat them over the head about Jesus. Show them him in your life through the everyday little things that you do. Amen. Praise the Lord. The other thing that you have to do, and this is point number seven, make the word final authority in your life. It is the truth. The word is the truth. Not the doctor's report, not your bank account, not your friends. The word. Make it the final authority. Okay? If you do that, you will find in every area of your life, you will have perfect peace. Because what? You're keeping your mind stayed on him. So if you're sitting there and you have bills to pay and you have absolutely no clue where the money is coming from, you don't sit and fret about that. You can almost kind of laugh, okay? And just look at it and say, you know what, Lord? <laughs> I love what Jesse DePlantis said. He said, you got mail. <laughs> in other words, you deal with it because I don't know where the money is coming from. Okay, you know, when we hear people say that sometimes, we sit up and say, you know, I've heard people say, you know, they had a television bill, you know, of like $20 million. You know, it must be authentic. We hear that, but in the back of our minds, it doesn't compute because we're just like, yeah, okay, whatever, you know, all right, they have the, we really aren't paying attention. But now if I say to you, the rent is due, okay? The Con Ed bill, they decided to go up by 20% and they all of a sudden give you a bill you thought it was gonna be, you know, $600 and it's $800 and now you have rent and your check isn't covering it and you're $500 short, that's real, you can get that, okay? 
But the same faith still has to apply. You still have to believe God, whether it's going to be somebody ringing your bell who you don't know with the $500, whether it's going to be some check that you got in the mail from somewhere that you don't know, whether it's going to be somebody who just walks up and blesses you with it. However God chooses to get that money to you, you have to believe that he is God and he's going to keep his word and he's going to do it. Okay? So the word has to be the final authority. And it goes the same thing when it comes to the manifestation of your healing. Okay? Because doctors are cute. They do their best. Okay? I appreciate them because they do their best. But again, they did not create you. So they can only tell you based on the, the limited information that they have. And I don't care if they graduated head of their class. Their information is still limited because their wisdom is not infinite. So therefore, you have to go back to what is the truth. You can be obedient and listen to the counsel they give you, but they are not the healer. Jesus is the healer. And you've got to know that. You can't sit around and play around with this. This A lot of times, we're talking life and death, okay? And you've got to be serious about it. You have to be all in, not halfway. If you're halfway, you're going to get halfway results. But if you want excellence, you've got to pay the cost, and you've got to be all in for it. Number eight, you have to develop your relationship with God. It's not a religion. We are the church, not a building, not this edifice, not here. Notice we're here, we're not in the ballroom. We're still the church, okay? If we met out on the corner, we're still the church, okay? But it's the relationship we have with God. That's what you've got to develop. But you're not going to develop it if you don't go back to the other point of you've got to spend some time in the Word. You've got to study. And I will tell you this. When you start to do that, you will develop a hunger for the Word. A hunger and a thirst. It's sort of like drinking water. Okay? Now they tell us you're supposed to drink eight glasses of water. Eight, well, eight, yeah, eight glasses. Eight times eight ounces, 64 ounces of water minimum to get your brain and everything to function. Then they really, if you go to a natural path, they'll tell you you're supposed to drink half of your body weight. Now, for some of you, that's cute because, you know, that's just a few little ounces. But, you know, for some of us, okay, half of our body weight? I mean, are you kidding? I mean, you sort of feel like you need to just get a straw with the ocean or something because it's a lot of water, okay? I'm being real. But the point of the matter is, you have to develop a, a thirst for that. I mean, that's just not easy to do. Sometimes you have to line up the little bottles of water or half a gallon or gallons or whatever you need, okay, just for you to go ahead and complete that task. But once you really do it, you get to a point where you miss your water and you really want it. And if somebody offers you soda or something, it's not even phasing you because you have a thirst and a desire for water. Well, that's how it has to be with the living water of the word. You need to develop that. And I'm going to tell you something. When you develop that, you get to a point 
where you know who God is. He's not just some kind of person that's way over there, but you know him like you know your name. And when you have that, that kind of knowledge of him, you gain a certain amount of confidence. And with that confidence, you can square your shoulders and you can walk in the authority that he's already given you. And then you also get to a point where come what may, Enemy shoots your best shot. It is well with my soul. <laughs> because my heavenly father, the most high God, he fights my battles for me. And you know what? He ensures that I'm going to come out on top. Because he always wins. And because he always wins, I always win. Doesn't get better than that. But you see, you're not going to know that if you don't find out what's between Romans and you. You're just not going to know. You cannot have that confidence based on hearsay That's right. or because I'm standing here sharing that with you. That is not going to do a thing for you when the trial hits you, okay? Three o'clock in the morning when that pain comes or three o'clock in the morning when the enemy is reminding you that you don't have your rent that's due tomorrow, okay? Me telling you this is not going to do a thing for you. You have to know what the word of God says. You really, really do. Jot this down. You know what? Don't jot it down. Turn with me to Hosea, the fourth chapter, and we're going to look at the sixth verse. And many of you already know it. Hosea 4, 6, in the New King James Version. Are you there? Okay. It says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you from being priest for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. Now, I really, really like this in the Amplified Version, for it says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge of my law, where I reveal my will. You don't have to say, Lord willing. He's telling you where to find his will. It's in his word, okay? Because you, the priestly nation, have rejected knowledge. He's talking about us. I will also reject you from being my priest. Since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. Now that's pretty serious because he's talking about the next generation when he's talking about your children. So if you think, I mean, if you have any kind of love for your children, you need to line up and do what's right and operate in excellence so that they can have that excellence. Because when you don't, you're setting, he's already telling you, if you don't do what it is you're supposed to, he's going to forget about your children. I don't want mine forgotten, nor my grandchildren. So I'm doing everything that I can to operate in excellence. The other thing, and this is point number nine, is you need to develop your spiritual muscles, if you will. You see, there are two realms, and you know that. The natural three-dimensional realm that we are in and we see, you know, the realm of our senses, we all get that real easy. But in juxtaposition to that is the spirit realm. Where, if you want to develop your natural muscles, you, you know what to do. You go to the gym, you eat right, you do what it is that you need to do. But to develop your spiritual realm, you have to exercise your faith. 
You have to make sure that your faith is growing. Now, what does it say? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by... Okay, so it doesn't say faith comes because you just want it. Okay, it comes by the word of God, which means you have to do what? Goes back to the same point. You've got to spend some time with the word. Now, it's also important that you do that because I've already shared with you even in another lesson that faith is what? It is the currency of the kingdom. So if you want to have the benefits of the kingdom, the excellence that's in the kingdom, you have got to develop and strengthen and build your faith. Turn with me to Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the first verse. And you guys already know this, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. I'm really trying because I really want to get this done today, but we'll see. Hebrews 11.1, 1, if we read it in the New King James Version, it says what? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The Amplified, no, I'm going to read it out of the message first. The message says, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, set them above the crowd. Now, if we read uh, Hebrews 11, 1 out of the Amplified, it says, Now, faith is the assurance, title deed, confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed. Notice, if it's hoped for, it's divinely guaranteed. And the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality, faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Oh, that's Hebrews 11.1 1, out of the New King James Version, the Message Bible, and the Amplified. So when your faith is developed, you're not easily moved by your circumstances as you are growing through whatever it is you may be growing through. And a perfect example of that is found in the book of Romans when we look at chapter 4. We're going to look at Romans 4. And we're going to read verses 19 through 22 out of the New King James. And then I'm going to share it with you out of the Amplified. The New King James Version of Romans 4, starting with verse 19, says, And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. And they're talking about Abraham. Already dead since he was about 100 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that he had promised, that, being convinced, talk either, and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, I like it out of the Amplified, and it says, without being weak in faith, he considered his own body now as good as dead for producing children since he was about 100 years old. And he considered the deadness of Sarah's womb. But he did not doubt or waver in unbelief concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong and empowered by faith, giving glory to God. See, that's another thing that we're supposed to do. As we are waiting 
for the manifestation of whatever it is that we are believing for. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to give glory to God because guess what? When we praise and glorify the Lord, it stills the avenger. In other words, it stops him in his tracks. So that's another thing that we don't always do in excellence. We're believing God, but we're still wrestling with it. Okay? No, 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 no. You praise the Lord. Okay? You praise the Lord as you are awaiting the manifestation of what it is that you're believing for. Picking it up in verse 21, being fully convinced that God had the power to do what he had promised. Therefore, his faith was credited to him as righteousness or right standing with God. Now I'm going to read this to you out of the message, and the message I'm reading, verses 19 through 25, because I really, really, really like this. And it says, Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say, it's hopeless, which, I mean, most 100-year-old men might just go on and do that. This 100-year-old body could never father a child. Nor did he survey Sarah's <laughs> decades of infertility and give up. He didn't tiptoe, and that's another thing when you think about it. Sarah was really considered a person who couldn't bear children. Okay, so I mean, we have to look at the whole story. We just kind of get hung up on the fact that she was old. Okay, but she wasn't able to bear children. She tried, okay, but it wasn't working. So for him to think that now, okay, he or she is really old and all of a sudden she's gonna have a child, we gotta think of it that way, but he didn't. He didn't, you know, he didn't survey <laughs> the fact that here she was, decades of infertility and give up. He didn't tiptoe around God's promise asking cautiously skeptical questions, as we sometimes tend to do. He plunged into the promise and came up strong, ready for God, sure that God would make good on what he said. That's why it is said, Abraham was declared fit before God by trusting God to set him right. But it's not just Abraham, it's also us. The same thing gets said about us when we embrace and believe the one who brought Jesus to life when the conditions were equally hopeless. The sacrifice Jesus made us fit for God, set us right with God. We have the ability to do the same thing. As believers, this should be our goal, just like Abraham and the Apostle Price, to be fully persuaded that God will do what he said he would do. Now, of course, our adversary will continue to offer his thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. However, as disciples of Christ, we should not be concerned, even though it concerns us. Turn with me to 1 Peter. And we're going to look at chapter 5, 1 Peter 5, and we're going to look at verses 8 through 11. <clears throat> Boy, okay. If we look at it in the New King James Version, are you there? Okay, it says, starting with verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Now I also like this out of the Message Bible. And the Message Bible says it like this. Keep a cool head. 
stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Now, how clear is that, okay? Keep your guard up. You are not the only ones plunged into these hard times. It's the same with Christians all over the world. So keep a firm grip on the faith. The suffering won't last forever. It won't be long before this generous God, who has great plans for us in Christ, eternal and glorious plans they are, will have you put together <clears throat> and on your feet for good. He gets the last word. Yes, he does. Praise God. Now, I'm going to read it to you from one last place, <laughs> and that's the Amplified. And it says, be sober, well-balanced, and self-disciplined. There's that word disciplined again. Be alert and cautious at all times. That enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour. But resist him. Be firm in your faith against his attack, rooted, established, immovable, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being experienced by your brothers and sisters throughout the world. You do not suffer alone. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who imparts his blessing and favor, who called you to his own eternal glory in Christ, will himself complete confirm, strengthen, and establish you, making you what you ought to be. To him be dominion, power, authority, sovereignty, forever and ever. Amen. Now, I want to share something with you. Now, with the scripture, first of all, told us, told us two things. Number one, we need to be disciplined. Discipline means to train to be trained, we have to train ourselves to act in accordance with rules, rules being the word, to bring a state of order and obedience. The same way you don't want a disobedient child, wouldn't you rather your child when you were rearing them to be obedient and just do what you said? Well, what in the world do you think God wants? Do you think he gets a lot of fun out of seeing us act up and not do what he told us to do? Okay, we also need to be diligent. These are two things you will always hear when it comes to excellence. You will always hear discipline and diligence. When you think of the apostle and Dr. Betty, they personify discipline and diligence, okay? Being diligent is a constant effort to accomplish something. Be attentive to it. Be persistent with it. Now, I want to share something with you because in the scripture, we kept hearing about the enemy referred to as a roaring lion. You remember that? We, kept, we heard it in all the translations. Well, this is something I learned years ago, and it really ministered to me, so I'm going to share it with you. And it is the story of the lion. The lion has always been known as what? The king of the jungle. And one of the biggest things, other than his hair, you know, his mane that we think about, we think about that roar. I mean, he has a roar that no other animal in the animal kingdom can accomplish. But here's the deal. The same way that we, as human beings, we age, our bodies age, our spirit is wonderful, but our bodies sometimes, you know, they kind of betray you because what you used to be able to do at 20, 
when you're 60, it's just not happening the same. Now, in your mind, okay, you may think it is. Trust me, it's not, okay? So, I mean, if you used to be able to run the mile at whatever, and you try doing it at 60, you're just happy to get through the mile, okay? It's just not going to happen the same way. Now, that's just being authentic, okay? Well, in the animal kingdom, it's the same thing. But God, in his mercy... Let the lion always keep his roar. Now, his teeth have fallen out, okay? His poor little paws, you know, the, the sharp little whatever they are, in the paws, they just kind of fell off too. I mean, actually, you could go take the lion and punch him in his face, and he probably would cry, because he really, the only thing he has left to defend him is his roar. Well, think of the enemy like that old aged lion. Instead of you, when the enemy attacks you, you go run somewhere and hide, first of all, you've got the whole entire Godhead inside of you. You stand flat-footed. You look dead at that enemy and be ready to punch him in his face the same way you would do that aged lion. Forget about the roar. Who cares what the circumstances are? God's got your back. Don't ever forget it. And stop kowtowing to whatever little silliness this little enemy does and you stand flat-footed and you take your authority. We need to stop playing around. Okay, the time is getting shorter. Not shorter. I'm not trying to tell you the world's going to end. We don't know when that's going to happen. But I do know that there's a lot of foolishness going on. Okay, and if you all don't know that, you you better pay attention and Tuesday get out there and vote, okay? But there is a lot of foolishness going on. We have to stop giving just a little bit of time when we get to it. The enemy is on his A game. We better be on our A plus game, okay? And we've got to really, really understand who we are in Christ. So run to the roar. Stop running away from it. Now, as we mature, we get to a point where we handle random thoughts better than we used to when we really didn't know who we were in Christ. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians, and we're going to look at the 10th chapter, verses 5 and 6. So when we get to 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, and we look at verses 5 and 6, the New King James says, casting down arguments in everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now I'm going to read that to you out of the message because I want to make sure you totally get what that means. The message says, the world is unprincipled. It's dog eat out there. Now that's really kind of clear, okay? The world doesn't fight fair, but we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have and never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophy, philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. 
Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. Now, didn't that break that down a lot more? Now you understand why I like different translations. Okay, so we already know that every thought that goes unspoken dies unborn. So understand that. Because sometimes we get tripped up with that too. The enemy will start saying, well, see, look at what you just thought. So if, you, if a thought comes in your mind that doesn't line up with the truth, which is the word, he'll start to make you start feeling bad about it. And before you know it, he'll trick you in and start speaking it. Okay? Understand, if you have a thought and it does not line up with the word, and you haven't said it, as long as you haven't said it, it dies unborn. So if you don't feel you can say something that lines up with the word, just don't speak. Simple, just don't speak. Keeping that in mind, turn with me to Hebrews, the 10th chapter, and we're gonna look at verses 23 to 25. Man, I really thought I was gonna finish this today, you know that? But I don't think I am, because I don't want to rush this. I don't want you not to get this. <laughs> so anyway, let's look at Romans 10. We're going to look at verses 23 and 25. Hebrews 10. I said Romans. I'm sorry. I will see it if you were awake. Okay. I mean, hey, you got to understand, for those of you who know me, I'm really, you know, it's early for me. I mean, I really start waking up at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, so I'm ahead of schedule. So Hebrews 10, at least you were listening. Thank you for that. So Hebrews 10, we're going to look at verses 23 to 25. Okay, starting with the New King James Version. Uh, okay, you know what? Let's read it together. Ready? Read. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Excellent. Now, I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. And it says, let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. And let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and to do good deeds, not forsaking our meeting together as believers to worship and instruction, and is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more faithfully as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. And then I'm going to read it lastly out of the message that says, so let's do it full of belief, confident that we are presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. This leads me into point number 11. And I'll have to tell you next time because I've run out of time. <laughs> All right. 
Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 945 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City. Or join us for Bible study on Thursday evenings at our fellowship office, 470 7th Avenue on the 6th floor, right in Herald Square. Thanks again for listening. And remember, walk by faith, not by sight.